0: Yeah, it was barely a sound from that poop. Oh well, that was our theme song. Welcome, one and all, to drink to the past. I actually remembered the introduction for the first time in like a long time, so that means we have to drink, right? Okay. Probably everything we means we have to drink on this show. It's more fun that way. Well, I'm your glorious host, John Michael Patrick Thompson, and joining me tonight is Chris. It's not Chris. It's actually Crow Audette. That's you, Crow. <laughs> We both start with a C, so... Yeah, you know. Chris, Crow. Anyway. Cool. Uh, so... Uh, remember to share and subscribe and all that fancy stuff that I also usually forget. So, on to our news and booze. Uh, what you drinking tonight, Crow? I am drinking a Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Alright, that's not a bad one. Uh, Oktoberfest beers are, uh... Called that colloquially, but actually the style is a German beer called a Marzenlager. Uh... So, there's a little random fact of beer stuff for you. Uh, How do you like that one?
1: (coughs) Uh,
0: 14. Alright, that's not bad. Um, I am drinking the last of our growler from last week that was uh, this barrel-aged barley wine, which... I was a fool and did not drink, you know, as much. Well, I was gonna drink at a D and D night, and then D and D night didn't happen. It was really the issue, and then I really just couldn't work myself through all sixty-four ounces of this sixteen percent beer over the last week because I'm like, I have to work in the morning every day, so yeah. uh, now I'm gonna have to kill off this last little bit of this growler here, um, it's still okay, but now it's, like, mostly flat, which is why the theme song was kind of meh, because there wasn't enough carbonation to actually make the, uh, cap pop correctly, anyway, hmm so, still, you get a lot of the flavor, but the texture is kind of gone, and it, it's a little weird being flat, so, Not as good as it was last week, but that's all my fault, and I will punish myself by drinking a copious amount of it. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, uh, so, News and Booze is all about booze and news. Or, so I think. Anyways, a handful of interesting things from the uh, gaming news this week. Uh, Some weird stuff to start off. Uh, The DualShock 4 controller is getting a back button attachment, which is weird. So basically it's a thing that clips onto the back of your DualShock 4 to give you, like, extra triggers that you push with your middle finger, uh, which Mm. I've seen on some controllers that are advertising to, like, super competitive people. And I'm like... I'm not sure the average gamer needs one of these. Like, I feel like most people who would be interested in one of these probably already have a controller that has one of these, right?
1: Right. It's like a cheap alternative to the Elite or the Scuff. Yeah. But
0: but it's, not, it's also not all that cheap, because you have to, first of all, have a PS4 controller anyway, which are relatively expensive controllers. And then... Add on the thirty dollar price for this doohickey, is like weird.
1: About hundred bucks after tax. So.
0: Yeah, so that's like, I feel like most of the controllers with these kind of a, buttons are like, like they start kind of around there. They can they can go up like a lot more than that, but uh, aren't they? I just?
1: I, just, I don't understand why they put the LCD screen on the back where you can't
0: see <laughs> it. That's also weird. Also, I don't understand why this attachment needs an LCD screen. I feel like that's yeah. driving up the cost of this like thing that, in theory, the only reason I could see it working in the market is if people wanted to do this sort of thing on the cheap, but it's not on the cheap because they had to pay to make an LCD screen on this thing, which is completely pointless because like when you're playing... It won't help. It, it may be kind of helpful for setting up the, you know, what turbo you want those buttons to be or whatever you're doing with them probably. It's probably a little easier than, you know, most of the time when they have like a hold down this button and push this button to see what button you input, you know, something like that, which I've seen on other controllers. It's probably easier than that, but is it worth having a touch screen for that? For that one function that this device does? I don't I don't think so. So I'm not a fan. Crow, you don't sound like you're a fan. No. This is just such a stupid thing. I I don't understand it. And especially this late into the life cycle of the PS four too. Who's
1: gonna buy this? The The what? What did you say? Selling them is not i'm not looking forward to getting them in a gamestop
0: right because they're gonna sit on the shelf forever you're gonna have like one guy come in maybe and and get it
1: well it's gonna be like they'll send us maybe two or three and we can't keep them in stock and then after like five months then they'll ship us like 30 and
0: they'll just sit (laughs) yeah that sounds like how stuff like this goes sometimes so anyways, next piece of news is, uh, Pokemon Go just added a mode called Buddy Adventure. Uh, this is kind of interesting, uh, cause I don't, we don't talk about Pokemon Go a whole lot, but every now and then they add, like, this is actually a kind of a big update, where basically your buddy Pokemon, if you feed him a bunch of berries, he gets happy and he'll actually walk around with you on the overworld in the Pokemon Go app, and then he'll, like, find you secret hidden items and shit, it's kind of neat, and, th- and you can, like, play with him, like, in Pokemon Ami or or Pokemon Camp from the core games, kind of. You can, like, pet him mm. and jump like that to raise his happiness as well. So it's kind of an interesting little throw in there, kind of, you know, adding one of those mechanics that a lot of people like for from the core RPGs. I have never personally cared all that much for these modes, but uh, I do like having your buddy Pokemon walk alongside you. Uh, I think that's really cool. I think that was, like, my favorite thing about the Heart, Gold, and Soul, Silver remakes, was that every Pokemon just walks behind you. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. So what do you think about that? What do you think about that? Are you going to get back into Pokemon Go? Are you into Pokemon Go? I'm actually thinking about it. Okay. Yeah, I've been, like... A lot looser on Pokemon Go now than I what Like, for the first, like, year and a half, I was, like, huge into it. And I'd go out mm-hmm. raiding all the time. And now I'm just, like, I don't have the time to keep up with, you know, all these raids and get the same, you, yeah. you know. Because it's, it's a little bit of the same kind of thing. But I, I still keep it on. It's still literally the only mobile game that I play. Uh, something keeps me coming back to it every now and then, you know, for community day I'll go out a reasonable amount of the time with my kids and just go to the park and play and catch Pokemon and jump it's pretty fun Uh, so anything that keeps that alive is okay by me Um, next up Xbox Series X will be backward compatible Uh, actually, back to the original Xbox uh, at least for the ones, the, the Xbox and Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty games that are currently playable on Xbox One, you can play all of those, and it will be backward compatible to all Xbox One games. So I think that's kind of neat. So it it kind of like incentivizes you against buying an Xbox One, uh, like literally the moment it launches, because this will play everything the Xbox One does, but better. <laughs>
1: I know this is going to kill the sales of the Xbox One. Like, Xbox One's going to die this.
0: Yeah, I mean, can you really say Xbox One lived anyway? <laughs> it struggled. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's not a terrible system. How- it just, it really missed out on a lot of the exclusives. So it's like, given the choice between, you know, PS4 and Switch, uh, why would you ever go with Xbox? Is kind of my question. It's...
1: It's like when a Magikarp runs out of using Splash and just starts using Struggle and slowly chips away at its own life. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the life cycle of the Xbox.
0: Right. But uh, it does kind of incentivize me to look more into an Xbox uh, Series X. It's it's so weird to call it that because it's like it's so close to Xbox One X that I'm just like... That's a stupid name. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, that aside, it does incentivize me to look towards that as, you know, a next console. Uh, Because right away from launch, it's going to have two titles that I'm interested in. Because I am really interested in uh, the Hellblade 2. I'd like to get the first Hellblade. I was interested in that, and I haven't picked it up. And now I almost feel like the fact that a sequel is announced is an excuse to go buy it. So now I'm Mm. probably... Eh, you know, in the next few months here, I think maybe I'll finally get uh, Hellblade. Uh, but that one looks great, and obviously Halo Infinite, I think, looks pretty cool from what little we've seen so far. And I just love Halo. So I'd <laughs> I'd be glad to get back into the series. And on top of that, being able to play all of the Xbox One, a lot of Xbox 360, and a lot of original Xbox games, I think I think that's a much easier sell than a current Xbox One. Because it's like, these two are actually pretty cool exclusives, and I feel like that's sort of what it's lacking on Xbox One. I know it does have Halo, but that's, Mm. I don't know, it's like Halo and Gears of War, and I feel like I get a little tired out of Gears of War after the first three that were all good, but pretty much the same.
1: I've never played Gears, so
0: Uh I can't say one way or the other. Right. Like I, I liked them, but gameplay wise, they were pretty much identical. Uh, It was a great cover-based shooter. It's my favorite cover-based shooter because most of the time, I'd rather have you know crazy-ass run and gun like in Halo or Doom or something. But as a cover-based shooter, it was a lot of fun. uh, Especially since there was a lot of times where you know you were screwed and you couldn't use cover for a few seconds, and you had to figure (laughs) out what to do to get back to cover. And those moments uh, were really frantic and really made the gameplay kind of fun uh you know it's like okay this guy is coming around the corner uh do i chainsaw him do i dash back to another piece of cover what do i do here so it's and there there was a lot of i feel like it was a good blend of that tactical feeling you get from a good cover-based shooter as well as some of the run and gun from more hectic shooters so it that's what I liked about it. But after the third one of being pretty much copy and paste all the gameplay, I was like, okay, good enough. I don't I don't need an Xbox One for Gears 4.
1: Yeah. Uh, so,
0: that being said,
1: uh, I did get the Gears Xbox One X, like the Special Edition one. Oh, yeah? It looks fucking gorgeous. Cool. And if they announce a Halo Edition Series X, I will lose my, my fucking mind.
0: Yeah, I, I saw an image of that on, I think it was just like a fan mock-up of the, it, it was like uh, like Spartan Armored on the Series X kind of design. It was a really cool design, but I think it was a fan mock-up. I, it looked pretty cool, though. Yeah. Uh, so I would be on board of that, especially since like a bundle, I think, would sell really well with that, too, because it's like, hey, you can play pretty much every Xbox game ever, plus it comes with Halo. Which is the game you want anyways, right? (laughs) It's pretty much the game that sells Xboxes. Like, is there anybody that owns an Xbox that doesn't own Halo? Anybody? Probably not. Alright, and last piece of news. Um, Out of nowhere, Cadence of Hyrule Crypt of the Necrodancer featuring the Legend of Zelda, say that five times fast, got a (laughs) random-ass DLC for free. Octavo's ode, where you actually get to play as the main villain of the game, Octavo. Octavo? You say his name. Octavo. Weird. I say Octavo. Octavo. Octagon. Octagon. Okay. Octarock. Octarock. <laughs> Octarock. <laughs> Is Octavo related to Octarock? Anyways, yeah. Uh, have you played that at all, Crow?
1: Not yet. Yeah, I haven't gotten around to it.
0: Okay. I've been it's steeped in Fire Emblem. It's an interesting thing that I didn't get around to quite yet, as well, because it was funny. As soon as I heard it, I was like, oh my God, get my Switch, download it. And then I was like, okay, hold on. It's been a little while since I played Cadence, so I'm just going to, you know, pop back in for a refresher on the, you know, controls and moving to the beat and get you know get back into the groove a little bit and then i i just got sucked into the regular gameplay of cadence <laughs> of because it's so good and i played for like an hour and a half and i was like oh shit i forgot to play octavo zone <laughs> so uh yeah it's it's something i'll get back to but uh I, I i got distracted and then i watched star wars twice in the last two days and that was fucking great so i haven't had any time <laughs> outside of that uh, How is that, anyway? Um, It's really good. Um, I think it really just ties up the series neatly. Uh, It's as good of an ending to this saga as I think we could possibly have. Um, I don't think anything will ever live up to the original trilogy, and I think that's what people want, and I think the people that... Our naysayers against the current trilogy, 7, 8, and 9, are just butthurt that it's not as good as the original trilogy, even though that's impossible. So That's that's kind of my take. I
1: haven't seen uh, 8 yet. Mm -hmm. I watched 7. I was very disappointed. Yeah. But I like the prequel trilogy. Okay. How would I like this last one?
0: Um... You know, it's interesting. My brother, Josh, who's been on the podcast a couple of times before, uh, didn't really care for it or or didn't really care for the first two. Didn't care for seven or eight. Uh, But uh, Mm -hmm. we just watched this one and he said it was a lot better than it had any right to be. So uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, he's also not big on the prequel trilogy. I haven't talked to him about it in a while, so I'm not sure if he's, like, so-so on it or just really hates it. Uh, but, um, didn't really care for 7 or 8, but this one, it sounded like he liked it okay. Uh, it really does things differently. Like, I feel like you could watch this one as a standalone movie, without literally any of the first eight and you'd still be able to figure out what's going on and it would be a pretty good movie. Uh, so that, that's a kind of an interesting thing that it has going for it as well. Uh, it's got some references to other bits of other movies, but overall, like it's it's pretty much its standalone thing, which is kind of one of the things I like about Star Wars anyways, is that it can like they're all part of a bigger thing. But they're also all standalone. Like you can watch any Star Wars movie and I feel like this is true to some extent and I feel like Rise of Skywalker takes this to the furthest level where it's like the most complete singular story within the universe. You know what I
1: mean? I still have to catch up on movies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Luckily, there's a convenient streaming app with all of the Star Wars' on it, except for one. But that one's on Netflix. Yeah. Wait, which one's on Netflix? Um, Eight. The uh, Last really? Jedi. Yeah. Because basically, Netflix had a contract to put on some of the Star Wars movies for a while. And this one hasn't currently come up. So they have an exclusivity deal. So Last Jedi is currently on Netflix. And the other seven are on uh, Disney+. Plus, Obviously. Because okay. Disney wants to do that
1: is uh our rogue one and solo one Disney Plus bosses uh
0: work? yeah i think so uh i believe both of them are yes okay, have, I, I, I would years. have to check that again uh those those were pretty good too uh i thought um a lot of other people like you know i feel like solo particularly is the most hit and miss one it's like you kind of either love or hate it but uh, yeah. I, I, I liked Rogue it
1: pretty well. one. pretty
0: good. yeah I really liked Rogue One uh, there's a little bit I, I feel like every Star Wars that comes out recently <laughs> is a little bit divisive until The Mandalorian and everybody just flipped their shit with that they're just like oh my god it's oh, yeah. so good <laughs> which legitimately that's pretty good if you haven't watched The Mandalorian I'd check that out I've watched like the first three episodes to. and so far it's like one of the most solid fucking pieces of film I've ever seen
1: Yeah, I gotta
0: watch it. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, I guess that's all the news, unless you have any news. Do you have any news? Uh, Uh Aha! I caught you off guard. (laughs) Didn't expect to be asked that tonight, did you? Oh, no. (laughs) Well, that's okay. So we'll move on to our gaming topic for tonight, uh, which I think will just take up all of our time until we're ready to pack it in, uh, because... Tonight, I'm just going to kind of cop out and copy what every person on the internet is doing and go on a Game of the Decade rampage. Oh, no. Yeah, you're getting into some deep shit here, Uh, because, like, literally, like, a lot of games have come out in the last ten years, like, Mm craploads of them, and, um, yeah, I'm just, I don't know how we're going to do this, uh... But we're just going to kind of organize our thoughts slightly, maybe, or probably just blabber about good games for an hour or however long. So,
1: I think we should first pick, like, what is our personal top game of the decade? Okay. And what do we think is the top game of the decade? Okay. Because I have two different answers to those.
0: Okay, yeah, I kind of see where you're going for that. Uh, So, yeah, shall we go personal first or uh, what do you what do we think is the most objective best game of the decade or uh, personal more, maybe more influential? Maybe all three of those can kind of be different categories. (laughs) (laughs) Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. okay. so personal favorite first. uh, You want to start us off? What is your personal favorite game of the decade? I don't
1: know. there's, There's a couple of good ones. Skyrim is up there, uh, Metal Gear is up there, but I think Breath of the Wild is probably my number one on this deck.
0: Uh, Breath of the Wild is just fucking amazing. That's... Like,
1: I think we've talked about this before. It is one of my, if not is my favorite game ever.
0: Yeah, because um, this is uh, one of the few games that I've ever had in my life that it didn't dethrone Ocarina of Time, but it kind of came up to the throne and kicked Ocarina of Time in the shins. And then Ocarina of Time was like, no, sit down. And he was like, okay. But it did manage to get up that high. It was like, for a, a few... Actually, for quite a while, I was kind of waffling back and forth. I was like, do I like Breath of the Wild better? Do I like Ocarina of Time better? Well, this mechanic is better here. Well, this mechanic is better here, you know? So, for a long time, it was a I was. Power
1: struggle.
0: Yeah, it, it really was. And uh, eventually, I finally settled on nope, Ocarina of Time is still just the best game ever. Um, but that was ironically because I had an epiphany when I was playing another game. Ooh. and I decided that this game was better than Breath of the Wild, but not as good as Ocarina of Time. And that game is Octopath Traveler. I figured. Yeah. That game is just, like, so fucking good. Because it, it has a similar feel to a Zelda game, where you're kind of, like, the combat itself is a puzzle in a lot of cases where you have to kind of figure out how to beat enemies. But mm. it does so in the fashion of a jrpg oddly because you're like trying to figure out what the enemy's weakness is and then once you weaken him by hitting him with things that he's weak to he gets stunned and if you stun him then he loses his turns and then you can get extra hits on him and you do automatic critical damage and stuff like that so
1: it's honestly just a final fantasy pokemon
0: yeah and you can actually almost make it pokemon too with um what's uh Haunt it, or just if you add Hunter class to another character, then you can literally just tame any monster in the game almost. So it's it's or, also got that Pokemon or, aspect almost.
1: <laughs>
0: use,
1: uh... Shit, what's her name? The, the dancer. Uh, Primrose. Use her allure. Yes, use Prim's ability.
0: Yeah. Just, just allure lure people. yeah. That was also pretty good, because then, like, there was so many different people with different abilities that, you know, I'd always, like, find, like, one of the best people in town and allure them and then, like, use them as a one-shot in a boss fight somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't use that ability as much as a lot of them, but it was pretty fun when it came up. I'd use it. Yeah. (laughs) Primrose was also just the greatest character in that game. Uh, yes. Like, all of the characters were pretty solid with pretty good stories, but Primrose, like, even stands above the rest of them. I think maybe Touched by Alfin and Ulbrich had really cool stories. I
1: haven't gotten that.
0: All right. Well, I won't spoil I anything. Oh, man. I've beaten most of the game. I, I never finished the final boss fight because the final boss is like a pain in the dick. Uh, I so think
1: it's a race to see which of us beats it first.
0: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, my brother's currently borrowing my copy, so I'll get it back eventually. Um, it was kind of weird though, because be also like you kind of get into a swing of Octopath Traveler. Uh, of it's almost a rhythm it's weird how you you like know what to do and what moves to use at the right time and then it felt kind of weird I kind of took a break from it after I died to the final boss so many times I was like okay I'll put this down I'll come back in in a little while and then I I felt like I was just like unsure of myself suddenly <laughs> coming back to it after a large break it's like I don't know how to play it anymore it's weird I have to reteach myself somehow which was kind of confusing and still the final boss kind of was just like kick my ass. So I tried to grind just to get up higher levels and see if that helped. And, uh, like grinding, I felt was like kind of difficult, uh, which it's also kind of weird. Cause I never wanted to grind. I, I don't really like grinding in most games, but in Octopath Traveler, I kind of staggered the way that I went through everybody's chapters Based on my level of my average party member. And uh, so I really never had to grind literally until this point. And now I'm like, I just don't wanna. Nice. That was not what I was expecting.
1: Very nice.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Crow, for this musical interlude.
1: Is this. this isn't me.
0: It's not me. Where
1: the hell is it coming from? Are you sure it's not you? I'm 100% I don't have any browsers What the fuck?
0: Hold on, it is me. Uh, <laughs> what the hell? Sean, what the fuck? <laughs> I have no idea, just literally I heard the Star Wars theme and I was like oh, Crow's just thrown in the Star Wars theme just to throw me off because we haven't talked about that for a few minutes, and he's like, it's not me I'm like, what the heck, that doesn't make any sense so I opened Chrome, and somehow my Chrome has opened Netflix, which has somehow started The Last Jedi I was listening what the actual fuck how does that happen? My computer's got it. fucking gremlins or something. It's like I—I it's I mean, I opened it with like some unclosed tabs from the last time I used it, so maybe one of them was Netflix. But then I closed all of them, and and I just rebooted a new tab to get my podcast topics on my little Google Doc here that I keep as a reminder of the topics and. That's literally the only thing open now. so it's like did it open a new window? What the hell just happened because it that was in a different window, okay. But even if it was in a different window, why did it why did it start playing now? and not when I turned on <laughs> the fucking Chromebook?
1: that's funny. <coughs>
0: that was the weirdest thing ever. So um, what's your other answer for game of the decade and not your personal favorite, but, uh, should we go, like, most influential or objective best? Or how should we do that?
1: Let's do both. Mm-hmm. That, that'd that be a good one. So, for most influential, I think it's a pretty safe one to say Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Like, when you get a port on almost every conceivable platform across two generations, that's that's something. That's... Skyrim became the basis for a lot of games.
0: I feel like that's fair to an extent, but I also feel like the basis for Skyrim was completely established in Morrowind. And to that extent, probably even Daggerfall and Arena. You know, previous Elder Scrolls games pretty much did basically the same thing Skyrim did. Uh, and then Skyrim did it with better combat, so more people bought it. That's what I feel like happened. Yeah, uh,
1: but uh, like they established a lot of things, but it doesn't change the fact that when you say Elder Scrolls, people think Skyrim. Like, when people come to buy Elder Scrolls Online from GameStop, they come to buy—like, uh, they ask for Skyrim Online.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it certainly got its way into culture a lot more than any of the previous Elder Scrolls games, obviously. So I think. But as for actual influence on the gaming market as a whole, I wonder how much it's got. Uh, you know, obviously, like everybody's played it, but mm-hmm. is it really going to change the gaming landscape at all?
1: Well, when AGO Numa did an interview and said that his, like, design for Breath of the Wild was based off of Metal Gear and Skyrim. That's something.
0: True. Um, I don't know. I just personally, I don't feel like Skyrim really innovated in any particular way. And I feel like Breath of the Wild is the game I would pick because it it really did. It took this open world idea that has been used several times up until that point. You know, it's a pretty Mm -hmm. popular idea But it it took it to the next level. Because open worlds before Breath of the Wild were pretty much all, here's an open world, but in order to actually see the story, you have to go from point A to point B to point C in a linear fashion, just like any other game. So what's the point of the open world? And Breath of the Wild really embraced the idea of having an open world not just in the fact that you could go anywhere and do dungeons in any order and all that but also in the fact that the world is a game mechanic traversing the world is one of the ways in which you play the game it's it's a central mechanic upon which the other mechanics are forged And I think that's really a more of a game changer. And I don't think we've really seen the effects of what that's going to do on the market for open world games yet, but I think we will.
1: Yeah, give it another like two or three years and we'll probably start seeing a lot more Breath
0: of the Wild Ripple effect. Yeah. I feel like, you know, in five years people are gonna say Skyrim Who? Yeah. Maybe probably not, you know, that bad, but Uh, To an extent, I think Breath of the Wild is going to be the next Skyrim level, you know, just, this is the standard now. I guess you could... Um. uh, Skyrim is probably a good game to mention because I guess it did kind of become the standard. Even though a lot of its basis (laughs) was established in previous games, like I said, they didn't make it the standard. You know... Morrowind, as great as it was, didn't get copied time and time again into Infinity. Skyrim <laughs> right. did, so I'll, I'll definitely concede that point. So, most influential so, game, Skyrim or Breath of the Wild? I think. I think actually, both of us have a pretty solid argument for either. I would be happy with either answer. Yeah, we'll call it a tie. Yeah. Um. And then, so, objective best game. (laughs) That's kind of an interesting one, because it's like, sometimes I think it's hard to look through this objective lens, because a lot of times I'm just like, oh, this one's my favorite, so I I don't see any of the flaws. Uh, You know, which... You know, sometimes people point out flaws to me, and sometimes I agree with them. A lot of times I agree with them. But other times, like, I've had people point out Ocarina of Time's flaws, if you can call them that. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, that's not an objective flaw. That's something that you personally don't like, that 99% of gamers don't give a crap about. So I don't think you can call it an objective flaw. Uh, Because for me personally, I don't think Ocarina of Time has any objective flaws. Um. It's got some parts that people don't like, mostly the water temple. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, objectively, I think it is uh, un- a perfect game. You know, everybody you- says you can't make a perfect game, but they did. They made Ocarina of Time. That That's the exception that proves the rule. It doesn't have an objective problem, I think.
1: Have you seen Egorapu's sequelitis?
0: On Ocarina? Uh, I have not. Oh, I should show you. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll... Uh, send me a link after the podcast and I'll check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, uh, as for a lot of, objectively best, uh, what are you going to go with?
1: There's a lot of really good ones. Mm-hmm. I know, like, Last of Us and Horizon are two games that jump to mind. Uh-huh. But, honestly, and since... People have always counted, like, in the decade as 2009. I think Minecraft has got to be, like, a winner. Uh,
0: like, that is a fair thing to say, because Minecraft, yeah, it's it, it would be hard to call any of Minecraft's flaws objectively bad as well. Um, part it's of, part of far from my favorite is, game, but I do like Minecraft. Uh, yeah. And... Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, like, it is a game that can be whatever you want it to be. Like, if there is an idea, somebody can make it happen in Minecraft. The modding community can make that game literally anything. It yeah. is one of the biggest games in the world.
0: Yeah, and, and even technically, without the modding even, you could pretty much make anything. It would take... A far, far, far longer time to do so. Yeah. But you could move all that dirt, right?
1: (laughs) I mean, people have made functional fucking phones (laughs) in the game.
0: I didn't know that. That's I'm somehow not surprised by it, but that's actually fucking amazing.
1: (laughs) People have made like, like calculus level computers. It's insane.
0: (laughs) That's hilarious wow <laughs> yeah,
1: that game fucking Minecraft
0: yeah um I'm trying to think if there is really anything objectively wrong with it and I guess there maybe there is I don't know cause I'm like the concept is so simple that it's really hard to poke any holes in it you know cause it's basically just Legos but then it's got mm-hmm. several layers on top of that if you want them Like obviously the whole adventure mode with the Ender Dragon and the story and whatever, uh, Mm -hmm. which doesn't actually matter. And like I wouldn't even know about it if my brother didn't tell me specifically about the entire end of the game. And I was like, "What? There's a story? I thought you just build shit." (laughs) Because that's all I did, you
1: know. I'm like, my only problem with it, it looks like ass.
0: Yeah, that that is something that I definitely think should be taken into consideration, which I I understand the reason for the graphic style and everything, but I don't know. Maybe it would be cooler with a slightly less retarded-looking character. Right? Yeah. Like, I feel yeah. like the world is fine as is, and the terrain and building things is fine. Uh, some of the monsters look kind of weird and janky, and... Uh, the hero guy, admittedly, yeah, you're right, he, he looks like crap.
1: I know you can get like new skins and resource packs and everything to make the game look better, but I just I could never find one that really looked good. Uh, yeah, but that's just me,
0: yeah, and so I. I think there's something to be said about that, though. So, since we've found a possible flaw in it, I guess we could uh, have any kind of other... I I don't know. I was trying to think of mine for this, and I'm trying to think of any other games that are closer to flawless. And I think Octopath Traveler is really close and Breath of the Wild. uh, They have some things that, obviously, a fair amount of people don't like, so I'm like... I don't think it's necessarily an objective flaw, but it's it's on the fence enough that I can't really call it perfect. Like uh, obviously in Breath of the Wild, the big thing is the weapon breaking system that a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't like and a lot of people don't like the story. And a lot of people don't like that. There's not a lot of enemy diversity, which are all problems that I literally didn't care about. Uh, I actually loved the story in Breath of the Wild. I thought it was incredibly told because it was told through a non-linear fashion. Again, that's one of those things where I think it's the most revolutionary because it doesn't tell the story in the way that you expect it to. It tells the story in the way it makes sense to tell a story within an open world. It it tells the story in the way that you would discover a story in a real world. You wouldn't find all of the pieces perfectly in a straight line in the real world. What you about would... The Witcher? Um, I haven't actually played The Witcher. I've heard tons and all tons right. of good things, uh, but I can't actually speak to it myself. Um, is that a game that you would... not Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I haven't played it yet. Yeah. That's among those games that I keep meaning to get to if I had time and money for all these games. <laughs> Um, but maybe to that extent, um, another one that I would put, possibly is um, it's maybe a little too early for me to say, because I haven't completed the whole thing, but death stranding. is really? you think that highly of it? I do, because like, so far, I have not found an objective flaw or even literally a single part that I dislike. um, because. It actually fixes a lot of issues that I have with things. Um, it's got this the progression is still kind of linear, like in most open world games, but it still goes about it in a different way where it makes the world a mechanic rather than just something you have to walk through. Because uh, like in Skyrim, if you're going point to point to point, it's like you have a nice little trail to go exactly there where you need to go. In Death Stranding, you don't. The world is, like, uh, post-apocalyptic, so there's, like, barely any roads, and most of them don't go to the place that you need to go. They might get you kind of in that direction a little bit, but eventually you're going to have to wander off the road. You're going to have to walk through creeks. You're going to have to climb mountains, uh, you know, venture through caves, all sort of different kind of areas and terrains and have to deal with that while you're balancing all this shit on your back and it seems like a weird, almost stupid mechanic at first, but once you've done it for like 30 minutes, you're hooked it's like, okay, I get this walking is a central mechanic to the game and it makes it at least as fun to traverse the world as in Breath of the Wild um so,
1: go on I've got one objective, and th- this is kind of how I was thinking about the other games. The there is a plateau, like, uh, how would I call it? Like, part of the thing that turned off a lot of people was the beginning of the game. Like uh-huh. it, it takes a while to really get. It. So I've had a couple of people who returned it or traded in because they just couldn't get into it fast enough. Uh huh. And I feel like that's part of what held it back from being given a year.
0: Maybe, um, cause it, it's, I don't know, cause, like, I can't, I have a trouble imagining how you would not get into this. But again, this is a game that plays to exactly the kind of thing that I like to do in games, which, above all else, in games, I like to explore. I like to see new shit, and <laughs> this game does exactly that. Every step of the way, you know, from the moment you're dropped into the world, you're like, okay, I have to kind of figure out how to get around these obstacles with the tools that I have, which when you start is literally nothing, (laughs) you know, you've got (laughs) a package to deliver and it's heavy as fuck. So you have to balance and that's the so you, you don't have any tools to get around. So you have to kind of get to your first town before you get some tools. And then you get some tools like ladders and stuff to help you get around, uh, and climbing ropes. And then you use those to progress to the next town and the next, and, you know, you kind of go through this sort of cycle of getting new abilities here and there. Um, and it's, I thought it was absolutely hilarious when I killed my first enemy And I looked at my game timer after I saved. It was 10 hours into the game that I killed the first enemy. And I thought that it was just miraculous that they had driven gameplay above anything else in the game so hard that I was able to go 10 hours without actually fighting anything. It was amazing. Uh, and then once you can fight, it's like, you're still not, you're not instantly invincible or anything. You, you know, you're still challenged fairly well by the, cause when you find an enemy, it's not just an enemy, it's a buttload of enemies. So it's Mm -hmm. like, you can't always, you know, in a lot of cases, it's like, if you get seen by one, you'll run right into another or something. So even if you kill one, you know, that might, uh, alert another one or something or, you know, so it's, uh, You kind of at that point got to conserve some of your resources and stuff. And so it's, there's a lot of mechanics that don't seem overwhelming at any point, but once you look back at them, you're like, actually, there's kind of a lot going on here, because obviously you got to balance. You got to pay attention to, you know, that most of the enemies are invisible, so you got to pay attention to them. You got to pay attention to your weapons and your blood supply and all this. So it's uh, a lot going on, but it's introduced fairly slowly in but in a still a way that makes it build and build and build to where it feels like you're accomplishing shit all the time.
1: Okay. I haven't played it yet, so I can't give any like actual viable insight one way or the other.
0: Right. Cool. Yeah, um so if there's anything that'll knock octopath traveler off of my top spot for game of the decade it's this one i think that's possible i'm not saying it's gonna happen right now but like so far i'm like this is just great and i'm having a wonderful fucking time with it by the end of this i think it could i'm not sure i will i have not beaten it i'm 15 or 20 hours in i forget i'd have to look uh because I haven't had a lot of time, like, since Thanksgiving break, I haven't had a lot of time. But now I'm on Christmas break, so, like, now I'm going to, like, play the shit out of it and hopefully just beat it over the break. Uh, yeah. Uh,
1: Death Stranding, it says so realistically, it'll take you about 35 to 40
0: hours. Okay. So if that's a good estimate, then, you know, I'm probably a third or a halfway through the game. Roughly. Yeah. Okay. But then, obviously, that's also not including any of the side content, too. Because there's... One of the things I love about Death Stranding, also, is it makes the side content important. Because uh, mm. most of the time in side content, in, like, oh, you get a side quest in, you know, any old RPG. You go here, you find an item for a guy, you take it back to a guy, and he gives you some gold. whoop fuck <laughs> But in Death Stranding, like... You'll usually have some kind of little story attached to whatever you're doing. And in RPGs, that's common, too. You know, you usually have some kind of story to it. So that's kind of why you do it, rather than the reward. But the reward kind of makes it feel like, why did I bother getting this random guy his kid's teddy bear that he dropped in a goblin den? Why the fuck did this guy take his kid to a goblin den? (laughs) You know? Don't worry (laughs) about it. Right. But uh, in Death Stranding, it's like most of the side quests are delivering to people and then uh, a lot of them will give you extra resources to do stuff. Some of them will give you extra plans to build new items. Some of them will connect your uh, network, uh, which basically kind of what you're doing in Death Stranding is trying to connect every city as well as a lot of little outposts between the cities across America uh, Mm. so that you're all in communication and you can better fight the monsters. It's a vague rundown of what's going on. And I feel like every time you go through a side quest so far that I've done, it's like okay, it's actually got some sort of a useful uh, reward from this. And sometimes there are rewards that will last through the rest of the game. That, oh, now I have this plan. Now I can build this item anytime I want. Stuff like that. Um, yeah. So, uh, we've kind of gone through the, just the biggest, baddest games of the decade. Um, do you Uh want to go through, like, some specific genres and be like, best RPG, best action game and shit like that? Are you a Call of Duty person? Um... Not particularly. I played Call of Duty 4 uh, whenever the hell that came out uh, because, like, a lot of people I knew were into it, and I never really got into it. I felt uh, like—I also played Call of uh, Duty—one or two of them on the PlayStation 2, I think. I don't remember. I think Call of Duty 2 and maybe something else. Maybe Call of Duty 1. I don't remember. And then Modern Warfare, obviously uh cod four was the one i played a lot of and i still just really didn't care for it i played it because everybody else was playing it and it was an okay multiplayer shooter i had really big issues with it as a shotgun guy because i feel like every map in that game except for like two were completely unfair to anybody without a sniper rifle Like There's tons of places to snipe and tons of places to get advantage with any kind of longer-range weapon. And if you were the shotgun guy, you were just fucked. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Uh, So I've never really been into that. And also, I kind of like shooters that are a little more high-flying, more unrealistic. I don't care for a lot of realism in shooters. I like Halo. I like Gears of War, obviously, we were going over, and Doom. You know, these are things that, like, you're doing things that you could not possibly ever do, and it's fucking awesome because of that. Uh, same thing kind of with my racing games. You know, I want to do weird-ass shit and drive on walls, like, in, you know, Fast and the Furious kind of things, and, you know. Well, so I like, like, Mario Kart and weird, uh, race, uh, Extreme G. Did you play any of those games? No. I that was a long-ass time ago. Um, I did not. Yeah, those were cool. Anyways, you know stuff like that. I don't care for like Colin McRae Rally or stuff like that very much. I, I liked Colin McRae okay, but I I also really sucked at it. <laughs> so I I don't know. Just when I play video games, I don't go for realism very much. Like realism in That's characters, I really love, but realism in like physics and what's actually happening, I'm not a, I'm not a much of a fan. Uh but uh, go on call of duty. I was going to say
1: the the new modern warfare is probably got to be the best call of duty. Okay. Like maybe even just the best shooter game of the decade.
0: Wow. Um above Halo above Reach. One, a lot of people love Halo as, Reach. I loved Halo Reach.
1: As a shooter game? Yes. Okay. I like I like Halo for a different reason than Call of Duty. Uh-huh. I would, I would more closely Halo to like Star Wars.
0: Right. That's fair. It's kind of hard to compare in some instances. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because I uh, Halo Reach actually I really liked, and Halo ODST also I th- pretty sure was this decade, right? <laughs> blanking on yes. when they came out er- exactly, but you know they were they were both kind of in the same. They were they were pretty close together, I think. Uh, those were both really good. Uh,
1: no, actually, I think Odst was oh seven oh eight or something.
0: Right okay, so just out of our range for Odst, but yeah. but Reach was Reach was twenty ten. I want to say maybe. I don't remember. Anyway, um. Yeah. Yeah, so best shooter of the decade for COD 4. Um, I would definitely say best shooter of the decade, actually, I would probably give to Doom. Uh, Doom in 2016, obviously. Uh, Because that's the kind of shooter I like, you know. And it was really back to kind of the roots of Doom after Doom 3, which I also really love Doom 3, uh, but for, like, totally different reasons. Um, And Doom 3 is my favorite Doom overall because it's it's like literally the scariest fucking game ever. Uh, and this one isn't quite as scary but you're Your blood is pumping for different reasons. You know, you're you're really getting into it when you're running around through hordes and hordes of enemies, and you're you just keep moving, you keep moving forward. You're like, well, I don't know what's behind me, but I don't have time to stop and look because I need to shoot what's (laughs) in front of me. And then you know, oops, I didn't kill it. I guess I'll keep moving on so that I don't get killed by whatever's behind me and come back to it in a minute. (laughs) You know, uh, just that insane run-and-gun action is really what I kind of love in a shooter. And as well, I feel like um, it added a surprising level of customization to it with the little weapon attachments and stuff like that that I thought really added a lot to it, uh, which mostly I was just like, I'd you know, stick most of the stuff on my shotgun and my assault rifle or SMG or whatever it was called. I don't remember. Uh, mm. Little automatic oh, gun. Safe. And uh and then also there was like a fair amount of collectibles to find. If you if you know, I I'd like to come back through the game and find all the little Doom guy figurines, but uh <laughs> uh don't have the time to replay as much as I like certainly. But uh I I usually take my time to look around in most levels for a little bit and see if I found them and I I often found them. I didn't find all of them, but uh I thought that was just a really fun little thing to kind of look for and it's you know just it's not necessary but it's it was fun
1: I think just because you're a run and gun shotgun guy you would like the new Call of Duty maps are not quite as sniper friendly as they used
0: to be okay that's good to know. So um, yeah, Actually, that's been getting a lot of praise, that game, anyways. So I've actually been more interested in it than I have in any Call of Duty in quite a long time. Worth it. Uh, yeah. Um, other shout-out I would give for shooter, I would give to Splatoon 2. Because it's a really different kind of shooter, and I'm not sure it's better mm. than Doom or Call of Duty or anything. But it's really different and it's great. Everything that it does differently, it does well. For what it is, it is like an amazing game and one of my favorite shooters. I'd say the multiplayer is is a lot better than Doom's. But the single player left something to be desired until you got the Octo Expansion and even then it wasn't quite up to the level of Doom. But Octo Expansion was actually really fun.
1: Overwatch, I think, is another one that should be up there.
0: Yeah, um, I haven't played Overwatch, but uh, just watching the gameplay videos and just kind of how much characterization went into every character i I watched a lot of those character trailers when it was first releasing, and like they were trying to hype it up with like these you know 10 minute shorts. For every character and stuff and I watched several yeah. of them and I thought hey, actually this is really cool you can kind of get into a lot of the characters a lot deeper than you could in pretty much any other shooter uh, especially any kind of class based shooter like this you know like Team Fortress 2 obviously has you know stylistically uh, very similar kind of character design uh, hmm. in as far as uh, diversity goes um, but you know, as much personality as all of those characters have, it's like nothing on overwatch. Cause overwatch is like, they've got these backstories, they've got, you know, these relationships, they're actual characters and not just kind of avatars to do their own job mm-hmm. of what they do. And, you know, they, they almost kind of had similar, uh, promo videos actually, now that I think about it for team fortress two, but they you know, they, they were all like hilarious, but they didn't go that extra mile to make them a believable character and an interesting, deep, well thought out character.
1: Yeah. You didn't get invested.
0: Yeah. Like, if you liked playing a big guy with a minigun, you'd play a heavy. It's it's not because you're emotionally invested in his personality. Right. <laughs> Um. yeah how about RPG of the Decade bum, bum, bum. I mean we already know what my uh, pick is going to be because my game of the decade was already an RPG <laughs>
1: yeah I think, I think Octopath is a pretty fair lock for that
0: uh, is there any other RPG you'd put up there what are you thinking of Fire Emblem so far
1: I'm enjoying it I haven't gotten very far like I'm only a month into the game
0: yeah, uh, an in-game month, I assume. Yes. Yeah, you're just like, oh, you're a whole month in. You've been playing for a whole month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very. Right. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. In-game yeah. So, I haven't lost it even yet.
0: Yeah. Um. I liked it. Um. I managed to get through about two and a quarter playthroughs. Um. Kind of. I I had some real issues with my first playthrough because I missed like one key thing that you have to do to unlock the alternate ending to the black Eagles path. And so I was really pissed off at all the decisions that the main character was making for me because I would have totally made the opposite decision. And I was just like, I was really like livid with the game for going the way that it did. And then I found out, Oh This is an alternate storyline, and I thought that was weird, because, like, if it was an alternate storyline, like, it should—I felt like you should be given the choice for the alternate storyline, uh, whether or not you do this one random thing, because basically there's one month in the Black Eagle storyline where if you talk to Edelgard— uh she'll take you to the capital and you'll talk to some higher up people and do a little cutscene and then if you do that that's that's it it's just this one particular month you talk to edelgard and go with her to see a cutscene and if you do that then you can unlock the alternate uh path and it's weird because i feel like that's the path that should be the default path and if nothing else, I think it should give you the option whether or not you see this particularly. It's I feel like just going through it is a weird uh, direction for any of the characters to go. So, uh, But after that, I kind of replayed because I found out that, oh, it was a branching storyline, and I played it through the way that I thought it should go, and I was like, okay, that was actually much better. Uh, and we'll call on it the one. Yeah. Uh, and it, then along the way, I kind of recruited a lot more characters in my second playthrough. And then I went through the uh, Blue Lions and I got just a little burnt out on it at that time because uh, no matter which uh, house you go through, like the first 10 chapters are basically the same because mm-hmm. um, you're basically going through the same missions. Just, oh, now this guy is. And so it, it was very interesting still to see the characters uh, from the new house. Uh, but since I'd already seen the same story beats twice already, it's like, okay, because the, like the second playthrough was pretty good. Cause it's like, okay, now I know a little bit more of what's going on in the world. So some of these cutscenes mean something a little different, you know, uh, going in with more prior knowledge. Uh, so that, that was still cool on the second playthrough and it was still cool to an extent on the third playthrough, but it's just like playing literally the same maps and the same missions just got a little repetitive. So I was like, yeah. okay, I'll take a break from it right now and I'll, I'll come back to it eventually. I say that about a lot of games.
1: <laughs>
0: eventually. But yeah. But I love Fire Emblem just in general. Um, for RPG of the Decade, if we were just talking about Fire Emblem games, I would have actually given it to Awakening. You did sound very sure. I'm, I don't know. I'm shifting on Awakening or Fates because I actually really love Fates too.
1: Um, you wouldn't give it to this one?
0: I wouldn't give it to this one uh, over either of them. I like this one. It's not as good as either of them. Although, actually, both of them are not my favorite Fire Emblem games either because my favorite Fire Emblem game didn't come out this decade because uh, Path of Radiance is fucking amazing. Uh, if you haven't played that game, sucks for you because GameCube copies are like 200 bucks. Yeah uh hopefully that will be rectified that would do like amazing if they got like a switch remaster that would do great or even if they just re-released it in its original version with no upgrades i would still buy it for 60 (laughs) bucks i would begrudgingly buy it for 60 bucks but i would do it (laughs) i'd be like it's it's just a port they didn't upgrade anything but it's so good that it's worth 60 bucks.
1: I think I'm pretty sure three houses, is the highest selling like has sold the most copies of any fire emblem. game.
0: Um, yeah. I think I read that uh, somewhere as well. So it certainly has that to go for it. It's, I feel like it's like way more popular than any fire emblem game has ever been. Cause like, Every day I feel like I'm seeing a new tweet about it or like a Reddit post with some fan art, stuff like that. Um, It it seems to have a lot longer lasting of an impact than most of them and a a lot bigger splash in different communities, I think. So I'm not sure exactly what about it hit with gamers better than any of the other ones, but it's for what it's done. It's an incredible success and I'm glad that Fire Emblem is, you know, getting that uh, recognition now. Because it it's been a great it? series as long as it's as long as I've been playing it, I fucking loved it.
1: What I think it is is uh, it's it's a first title or like it's a first party title on the Switch, and there's not a lot of major major games on the Switch yet. Right. Also, there weren't any major games coming out at the time that it was coming out, so yeah. a lot of people were just like, eh, "Okay, let's try."
0: Yeah, that's true. Because uh, I feel like Fire Emblem has been a popular enough one for long enough that, like, if you say Fire Emblem before Three Houses came out, like, people will probably know, oh, you're talking about that strategy game with, oh, those 12 guys from Smash Bros. <laughs> you know. But, um yeah, this certainly did just kind of put it even further into the light than that and made it more of a mass appeal somehow. And, yeah, I, I think the timing probably had something to do with it because it really was probably the biggest release this year i think i haven't looked at like specific numbers but i feel like it's been the most impactful on the community uh from my perspective i've seen a lot more people talk about this game for a lot longer than anything else that's come out like mario maker 2 came out and i was watching you know youtube videos and little tweets of people posting their levels and stuff and, like, run-throughs and stuff. That's that's what I love about Mario Maker in general It's just watching other people do it. I'm like, I don't actually want to make any of these Mario levels, but I want to watch them on YouTube. <laughs> mm. And that kind of died off after, like, a month. And yeah, now you barely see it anymore. It, yeah, uh Links Awakening uh is certainly a game people are still talking about, but even so, like it's come out more recently than Fire Emblem and I feel like more people are still talking about Fire Emblem than Links Awakening. Uh Luigi's Mansion 3 is in the same boat, I think. Um, where like occasionally I'll hear somebody mention it, but it's like it's almost, you know, old news somehow, uh even though it's also pretty recent. <coughs>
1: That's just talking, like, people who talk about it.
0: Yeah. Um, Certainly a lot of people who talk about it, but I feel like, still, it's outclassed by people who talk about Fire Emblem. So that's just kind of a testament to how well Fire Emblem is doing, for once. That it's getting more notoriety, at least in my circles, than Zelda.
1: That's the thing I was going to say, it's like... There, that's a matter of your circles because, like, if we just look objectively at the sales. Uh, Fire Emblem isn't in the top ten; it's barely edges out Donkey Kong for top fifteen. Mm. Okay. But meanwhile, you have just in the last year. I mean, you've got Smash, obviously, right? Uh, but going down, the, 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 you've got the Pokemon games, uh, new Super Mario Bros. U. Um, Mario Maker, Lick's Awakening, those all edged out Fire Emblem for top ten.
0: Yeah, that's a kind of a funny thing how that works sometimes too, because literally I haven't talked, heard anybody talk about Mario Brothers U since it released. Like there, I feel like all of the hype around that was Bowsette related, <laughs> and, and yeah. that's not even as popular now as far as. Uh, that goes, so it's, that's actually really surprising to me that that's, that one has edged it out, which I mean, I'm not that surprised because it's, it's a Mario game. Mario is a lot bigger of an IP than Fire Emblem, a lot Hmm. more popular, but it's still just kind of surprising that, you know, nobody talks about this game anymore, but apparently it's selling better than Fire Emblem. Oh well. Yep. What are you going to do? I'm going to drink this beer. Mm. (laughs) That's a good thing to do. Best beer drinking game of the decade. What game have you drunk the most beers with?
1: Probably Breath of the Wild. No. Uh, Of this decade, uh, Smash 4. That's a good game to drink beer with. Like, that used to be just a common thing with my buddies and I in college. Nice. Get a couple drinks, play some Smash, and get smashed while Smashing.
0: I made a – I actually made a drinking game of Super Smash Brothers. There's, like, you start a new save, and then, like, everybody chooses their character. And, like, every time you die, you have to take a drink. And um, every time – then, like, you're unlocking characters as you go because you started a new save – so then if you die to the new character that you're trying to unlock, you have to finish your drink. <laughs> uh, I, I forget all the weird rules I had, but it was it was like, okay, after a few rounds of this, we're just gonna be completely smashed.
1: <laughs> fun while it lasts.
0: Yeah. Beer is always fun while it lasts. Yeah. I'll drink to that. Okay. Let's see. What haven't we gone through? Um let's see. We've mostly let's see, we hit shooters and RPGs. Uh I guess we could just do action game of the decade or adventure game of the decade or something.
1: I mean adventure game is spread well. Easy.
0: Yeah. Unless it's Death Stranding. So <laughs> we'll get back to you on that. But yeah, cur- currently I would, I would say Breath of the Wild. Unless I would say Octopath Travel. I don't know. There are different kinds of takes on adventure. Because uh, um, <clears throat> I feel like Octopath is a lot more story focused. Uh, with still a lot of adventure and exploration in between. But Breath of the Wild is all adventure and exploration. And every other mechanic is, like, still relates back to that initial focus. So, yeah, okay, Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, action game of the decade. Bow, bow, bow. Putting in extra theme songs this week. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently.
1: Spider-Man is screaming at
0: me Spider-Man is a good fucking game um, I was just thinking about that I kind of want to boot it back up again and get back into it but at the same time I'm like trying to play through several other things uh, but I'd, that's one that I'd also like to finish um, really I'd like to finish any of the games I start on PS4 but I just don't have as much time to play my PS4 so I, since I've had it I've literally not beat a single game
1: yeah, um, I'm still, i I'm working on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, I've started God of War, I've started Spider-Man, Rage 2, uh, Death Stranding, obviously, and Horizon Zero Dawn. And finished nothing.
1: I'm working on Emblem.
0: I got the uh, remake of Shadow of the Colossus as well, but I have not actually started it. It's good. Yeah. Played like a tiny bit back on PS2. And so I always kind of wanted to get it. Because I, I never had it. I played it at a buddy's house. And I was like, this game is great. I need to get it. And then I never got it. And then I found out that there was a remake when I got my PS4. And it was on sale at the time I got my PS4 for like eight bucks or something. And I was like, okay, sold. Yeah,
1: I streamed my playthrough of it. I think the final one took me like an hour to beat, or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was, it was hard.
0: Nice. Uh, that's an interesting one. Hardest game of the decade.
1: Hmm. Do remasters count? Sure. Dark Souls remastered.
0: All right. Fuck uh, that game. I think actually the original Dark Souls was 2010, so even that would still count. <laughs> even better. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I haven't played the original Dark Souls. i played Dark Souls 3 uh, a little bit with a buddy. Um, and that's that's kind of interesting. It's weird how... Because I don't think Dark Souls 3 is particularly hard hard. It's just like you mm. kind of got to get used to certain things in order to be good. And like it's death isn't very punishing. It's like a little bit punishing and then you know what to do next time. So you get a little bit further every yeah. time until you hit a checkpoint and then you die next to that checkpoint. And then you die a little further from that checkpoint and then a little further from further from that checkpoint. And then, you know, rinse and repeat until you're out of checkpoints. Um, so it's uh, I don't know. I also, it, it feels like it's just built to be that way. It's built to teach you the game through failure. Uh, which mm. is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I feel like Yoda said the greatest teacher failure is. So, that must be good. Yeah. Um, I felt like the the controls felt really clunky. But I feel like it was designed that way on purpose to make it feel hard.
1: Yeah, it's a lot more rigid than Bloodborne and Sekiro.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to get Bloodborne and Sekiro, actually. Both of those are games on my list. Um, I think Bloodborne would be the first one I get. Eventually, I'll get around to that as well. Uh, but
1: like Bloodborne is like an in-between between Dark Souls and Sekiro.
0: Okay. A, a lot of people that I've heard have kind of said that it's a little bit more approachable. To get into than dark souls and then once you're Mm -hmm. into it it's uh, a little easier even to get into dark souls so that's kind of been something that i've been interested in because i'm like oh maybe i'll do that because i my buddy gave me his copy of dark souls 3 as well so i could i could boot that up as well but maybe if i'd also done some bloodborne as well before that too because also i just really like the idea of this gothic horror setting for bloodborne i think that's really cool Mm -hmm.
1: What I've been suggesting people do is go Sekiro, Bloodborne, then Dark Souls. Okay. Because it's a pr- gradual progression in difficulty, but also just a gradual change of mechanics. Okay. Cool. But that's just me.
0: Yeah. Um... I'm trying to think of the hardest game that I've really done and I can't really think of anything I've done that was really all that hard um, other than I have played a bit of Dark Souls 3 and that was like I said it's not hard hard it's just it kills you a lot maybe Celeste maybe Celeste is the hardest game I've played because uh, there's there's just a lot of dying in that <laughs> but again that that one even punishes you even less for death and kind of teaches you through failure because it's like
1: yeah.
0: you you get almost through the area and then eventually you're just through it and, and it's fine. And you go on to the next area. And you, like the moment you die, you respawn. It's like there's no downtime. There's no giant cutscene. You died like in Dark Souls. Uh, yeah, it
1: doesn't rub it in. It kind of works.
0: That or maybe Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze actually. Um, no. Because uh, I... I think—I was I was hearing somebody—I'm trying to think of who it was. It was maybe some YouTuber or something that was saying Tropical Freeze was as hard as Dark Souls. And I'm like, yeah. I can kind of see it because it, it's a similar sort of difficulty. It's a similar kind of difficulty. You know what I mean? It's like uh, in Tropical Freeze, like you uh, fail a fair amount— Because it's, you know, you only get two hearts and there's enemies everywhere and there's pitfalls everywhere. And the platforming mechanics are actually somewhat well-designed. It's somewhat difficult. You know, they're not, uh, like, obtusely hard. They're not unfair. But you Mm -hmm. still, I feel like I have had the same, uh, similar experience in Tropical Freeze in some levels when you get to some of the harder ones where it's like okay now i remember what to do at this next part of the level and now i remember what to do at this next part of the level so you know you get further and further the same way you do in dark souls so um yeah. so i would i would put that up there um, cuz i i haven't got all the way through tropical freeze yet so I, and i've not got through all the way through celeste so one of those would probably be the hardest. I think those are the games that I've died in the most this year, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put them up there. <laughs> mm. I'm also just not very good at platformers, though, so that might be part that of probably it. Has something. To do with it. <laughs> I'm like okay at platformers.
1: Platformers is one of the things I grew up on. So
0: yeah, I mean I did too, but I, I just was never good at them, even yeah. when I was a kid. I, I died in Mario 1 like a shitload. And Mario 3. <laughs> Mario 1 and 3, I think, were the games I played the most as a kid. And, uh, uh, let's see, Super Mario World as well. I played a lot of that. Uh, easiest game of the decade. <laughs> Go to complete opposite.
1: Uh, um. Yoshi's Crafted World is pretty up there.
0: You know, I was thinking that exact game. Because, <laughs> um, like, I got that because I I really haven't been into Yoshi since I was a kid. When I was a kid, I really loved Yoshi. And, like, now he's just like, eh, it's Yoshi. Okay. Um, mm. So I wouldn't have been all that interested in it. But my wife was kind of like, oh, this looks really cool. I did kind of dig the sort of crafted world style. You know, everything looks like a little... A uh, thing that a uh, you know some crafty person built. I, r- I really like the style of the world, but mm-hmm. you know, I tried the demo and it was just slow and boring as balls. And yeah. the game isn't much higher paced than that. It's a little bit,, uh, but what I did like about it was it was one of the games that my uh, five year old kid really got into. And it's a game that we can easily play together. And it was the first game that he beat, if that's any indication of how easy it is as a game. Uh, That, like, literally without pretty much any, like, I I would kind of show him a little bit of kind of, because I've played video games a lot longer, obviously. Like, a lot of things that are, like, very simple to me that it's like, he doesn't have this exposure, so he doesn't think of stuff like this. And now he does because he's got that through this. And then he beat Mario Odyssey as well. Uh, and then now he's beaten Link's Awakening. He, he needed a lot more help in Link's Awakening than either of the other two. Um, but I was just – I was all proud of him when he beat his first video game. I was like, yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, like it was funny though because like uh, – I found out later that he was playing on this easier mode and I was like I had played most of what I'd played on the regular mode and got used to it and I didn't think it was hard at all and then I played the easier mode with him and I'm like dude this is just broken you can just fly forever (laughs) (laughs) you have infinite flight ability it's like is there any challenge if you're if you know how to break the game and you're a cheesy fuck like me, no, there's no challenge on the easy mode. You can literally fly over everything.
1: Yeah, but that's part of the fun, you know.
0: Part of it. And it really did help him kind of ease his way into games like this. So I, I was still happy with it. Um still be playing Dark Souls. Yeah. Um If remasters count, I would say probably Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn because I think Epic Yarn came out before this decade so I can't count it, but Kirby's Epic Yarn is also like the easiest game ever. It's the one game I can think of that is easier than Yoshi's Crafted World. Maybe. Uh, It was fun. It also had a kind of a similar just little cartoony style and I liked that as well but uh kirby's epic yarn literally you can't die
1: oh well done yeah
0: yeah (laughs) like there's never any resetting it's like you fall in a pit it just puts you back at the top and it takes away your beads and for like the longest time in the game i thought it was like sonic where because like when your beads fall out of you you can go collect them again for a few seconds before they disappear like in sonic with Mm. the rings when your rings knock out of you you can pick them up again and so i thought it was like that and then if i fell in a hole again or if i uh jumped on a spike again that it would like um you know it would kill me and then eventually like it happened that i got hit twice in a row and i had no beads and i was like Mm. wait I didn't die there. Did I have a bead? And then I was like, hold on, I don't have any beads now. And I jumped in a hole and it put me back at the top. And I jumped on a spike and it <laughs> took me away from it. And I was like, what the fuck? You can't actually die. <laughs> so. I mean,
1: Kirby and Yoshi are designed for kids to be like the ultimate easy simple.
0: Yeah. But at the same time, some of the more complex Kirby games have been my favorites that are like, not necessarily hard, hard, but have enough difficulty and challenge to them to be interesting to a player of my skill. Like Kirby and the Amazing Mirror is a great example, because like just to get through some levels and have fun, you can be literally any skill level and you'll be fine. But to really like go through that game and actually complete the story and hundred percent it actually takes a lot. Uh, even if just completing the story, like I never actually completed the story because I got so lost in that game because the world is like. Uh, very interconnected cause it's kind of got this main hub that has like doors that teleport you to different parts of different levels. And then all of those levels are somehow interconnected and then will lead back to the overworld through another door or sometimes two doors in a lot of places, uh, or different, you know, so every, every chunk of the world is connected to the hub through three or four doors and I never found the end, uh, of all of my exploring through all of these doors, I'd be like, okay, how do I get in here? Is there an area I haven't gone in this door maybe? And I just explored and explored and explored and it was a ton of fun, but I even, uh, you know, I never, that was years and years ago though. So I don't, know, I don't know, maybe if I came back, it would like click with me. That's sort of what happened with Link's Awakening. Uh, Cause I came back to Link's Awakening years and years later after being lost in the face shrine for years, and I loaded up my old save and tried the face shrine again and beat it in like a half hour. I was like, (laughs) oh, that wasn't hard. What the fuck was I even stuck on? I don't even know. (laughs) That was easy. Yeah. Um, Kirby Superstar also was kind of like that. Had a sort of a similar design uh, when you got into the Great Cave Offensive, especially. Superstar was also kind of cool because it had like a buttload of different modes.
1: Yeah. Never played it.
0: All right. Best sports game of the decade. Fuck, I don't know. I'm going to give it to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. That works. Because like, has there ever been a better racing game? Ever. Ever.
1: Well, given how few racing games I've played, I'm gonna say
0: no. <laughs> I've played a fair amount of racing games. I feel like I don't play them very much anymore, but I play Mario Kart because uh, Mario Kart has pretty much everything you would want from a racer, and also Link. I mean,
1: anything with Link is a win for.
0: Yeah, fighting game of the decade smash yeah pretty much gotta give it to ultimate don't we (laughs) yeah that's
1: really not much of a counter.
0: yeah i mean maybe we could dominate jump force no (laughs) i still want to try jump force because everybody that i've all the reviews i've read seem to be like the gameplay is really really great and the story is as long and drawn out as any anime you've ever seen but also it doesn't make any sense because it's just trying to shoehorn in all these characters. Yeah. And, like, I've watched some of the cutscenes and the dialogue is terribly written and it makes me want to watch them more. I'm just like, I need this game. It's so cheesy and stupid that I I, I need it. <laughs> it's going to be hilarious to go through. And, and also the gameplay just looks really, really cool. And I'd love to just beat the shit out of Goku as Luffy.
1: I just think J Stars is a better fighting game because it has Bobo
0: You know what? Bobo Bo is a cool fucking character for a fighting game. I would love to play Bobo Bo in any fighting game. I will give you that. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Right. Um, well, is there any other categories you, you want? Or are we, what?
1: I was about to say, like, I think
0: we should wrap it up. Yeah, because um, I, I, I think we're a little bit burning on fumes here and, uh, yeah. you know, maybe almost out of beer. Actually, I've got a fair amount of beer left, but, I you know, I, I'm drinking from a fucking growler. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, uh, we have been Drink to the Past. As always, I'm your host, Sean Michael Patrick Thompson. You can find me on 2GuysPlayingZelda.com. And coming up soon, I'm going to start a new podcast right here on Podbean. Uh, so look out for that. It's going to be uh, all movie reviews with me and my wife. It's gonna be nice. it's gonna be fun. Uh, it's uh, we're gonna call it spoiler warning and it's gonna be full of spoilers. So if you are interested in movies and not afraid of spoilers or have already seen the movie, then tune in. If you don't want spoilers, then spoiler warning there's spoilers. Uh, yeah. crow, chill your shit.
1: I am Crowbert. You can find me on two guys playing Zelda and YouTube. Even though I haven't been productive for the last like half a year.
0: Right. Yeah. We should. We should make another podcast.
1: We should at some point.
0: Yeah. Hopefully, I will have more free time here soon. Yeah. That's always the. That's always the hope. I will hope for you as well. I appreciate it. Cool. All right. And uh, so now's the part of the podcast where we just kind of. St- talk for a little while until one of us says something really awkward and then we cut off the podcast uh, sounds like a good point yeah um, so uh, you ever do anything interesting with peanut butter I'm not sure if that will lead <laughs> into anything awkward or not but you know it's worth a shot uh,
1: let's not talk about that
0: okay <laughs> we're not talking about that I'll, I'll I'll drink to not talking to that mm. uh, we didn't have a table topic this week so I guess we could you know shoehorn in tiny bits of table topic um, so uh, what's your favorite die is it a D12 uh, D12s are cool I like the D20 or the D3 the D3 is neat yeah. doesn't come up much do you actually have a D3 I do. I have one of each. Nice. Because I have a, I have a D3, and I feel like most people are like, wait, a D3 can exist? That's, that's physically possible? And I'm like, yeah, look at this. <laughs> uh, I also have a D5 and a D7, which is hilarious.
1: I don't know if I have those.
0: Yeah. Um, I got them in this weird uh, set of dice from ThinkGeek that was like, literally just labeled as the weird dice that you'll never use. (laughs) And it's like a D3, a D5, a D7, a D14, a D16, and a D30. And uh, one of those giant-ass D100s. Uh, Wait. D number is
1: like the number of... Sides
0: or faces? Yeah, the number of sides. Okay. Uh,
1: so D D4 is just a regular dice.
0: Uh, a D6 is a regular die. Okay, so what is the number of faces? Oh, yes, yes. Faces, sides. Okay. Okay, okay. Uh, I see what you're saying, yeah. So a regular die is a D6. So a D3 would be something with three faces, which is kind of weird because you can't normally do that i don't think a d3 exists then I, I i have a d3 it is possible but it's it's not a regular shape it's basically mm. like imagine a triangular prism but then the sides uh that like in a prism shape they would be triangles those are like rounded off so it can't land on them so it's basically a a triangle with rounded off sides. So it, it, it rolls on those three sides along the axis. Weird. Yeah, it is kind of weird, okay. but, you know.
1: So I have a, a D4, a D6, a D8,
0: 12, uh, D9. Yes. D9? Never I seen a D9. It thing. Might be a D10. Uh...
1: Yes, there's a zero, so I'm guessing that's a 10. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, actually, I have two D10s one for single digits and one for double digits.
0: Yeah, so that you put then, them together for the percentile, yeah. Yeah. And then, obviously, I have a D20. Yeah. Cool.
1: Um, so a standard set.
0: Yep. All right. Um,. Do you keep your dice in a sack or a box? I keep them in a sack. All right. That was our table topic for today. Thank you for joining us. Goodbye, everybody. We're ending on the topic of Crow's Sack.